Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, the Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Kathy Kay, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, April 30th, 2015, and today we are reading from the big book. We are on page 77, the first full paragraph that begins, We Don't Use This as an Excuse. Today's readers are Ellen B. on the 12 Steps, Diane G. on the 12 Traditions, and reading the text are Alice M., Angela D., and Hoodie R. The reference number for yesterday, April 29th on Wednesday, is 7513. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Ellen B. to read the 12 steps. Uh, I'm Ellen B., a compulsive overeater from uh, Maryland. The 12 steps. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, may direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks. Thank you, Ellen B. And Diane G., would you please read the 12 traditions? Good morning, everyone. This is Diane G. from New Hampshire. 
Recovered, not cured, compulsive overeater. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Diane G. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. When you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 77. The paragraph that begins in the middle of the page, we don't use this as an excuse. And I'm going to ask Alice M. to read two paragraphs, the first one for context and the second one for comment. Thank you, Alice. Thank you. Good morning, Kathy. This is Alice. I am a recovered compulsive overeater and bulimic from Florida. We don't use this as an excuse for shying away from the subject of God. When it will serve any good purpose, we are willing to announce our convictions with tact and common sense. The question of how to approach the man we hated will arise. 
It may be he has done us more harm than we have done him. And though we may have acquired a better attitude toward him, we are still not too keen about admitting our fault. Nevertheless, with a person we dislike, we take the bit in our teeth. It is harder to go to an enemy than to a friend, but we find it much more beneficial to us. We go to him in a helpful and forgiving spirit, confessing our former ill feeling and expressing our regret. Under no condition do we criticize such a person or argue. Simply, we tell him that we will never get over drinking until we have done our utmost to straighten out the past. We are there to sweep off our side of the street, realizing that nothing worthwhile can be accomplished until we do so, never trying to tell him what he should do. His faults are not discussed. We stick to our own. If our manner is calm, frank, and open, we will be gratified with the result. And I just want to make one um, um, mention something from speaking from my experience is that um, we have to be very, um, very careful with the wording of our amends. And this is how working with a sponsor was just crucial for me. Um, because for me to say to someone, I'm here to clear off my, to sleep off my side of the street, implies that I, it's kind of an indirect thing of saying, you got some dirt on your side of the street too. I'll clear off mine. So it's kind of, you know, it sets it up wrong, I think. That's just my feeling. My sponsor taught me, the sponsor I had a few sponsors ago, that I was to go, and this is just her experience, I was to go to the person, mention nothing about me being in the program of recovery, just state very succinctly what I did, that it was wrong, and what I plan to do in the future, and that there was some, um, you know, restitution that I needed to do that. Um, now, you know, I'm in the middle of making some amends right now, and I find that I do like to say to the person up front, I you know, I, I want to clear up something that happened. I'll just give you an example. I'm dealing with shoplifting ones right now. You know, I I stole something in your store three years ago. It was it was wrong. I'm truly sorry. And I'm trying to live. I'm I'm living a. I'm clearing up my past. I was a very dishonest person, and I want to move forward with integrity. And I'm I'm righting the wrongs in my life. And one of them was what occurred in your store. And then I go forward with what the agreement was that my sponsor and I worked out in terms of restitution or, you know, is there anything else I could do? Um, but I know that there, from experience, mother's telling me also, um, their experience, um, there's some pitfalls that we fall into when we're working around steps eight and nine. And I wrote some of these down. And the first thing is about expectations, you know, and we don't have any expectations about what the other person's response will be. And it's we don't expect forgiveness. We don't expect gratitude. We don't expect acceptance. We don't expect understanding or reconciliation. We don't expect the other person to respond with an amend of their own. So, you know, we don't make the amend as a tool of manipulation. You know, we don't pull back. The, if we don't like the response, we don't, you know, renege on the amend. We don't, make it a re, we don't make the amend to get someone off our back or to, you know, to buy time or to get someone's praise or attention or to get a quick, you know, feel better fix for us. And I know that sometimes I went about these amends in kind of a real um, self-centered, um, manipulative way, because I wanted to appear the hero. I walk into the library and tell them I stole a book from them, and, and they would say, oh, you know, so many people don't do this honest thing. Whatever. I got off on that. 
So sometimes my amends needed to be anonymous because I did not need to put myself in that position where I would feel that pride of being, you know, of righting a wrong that shouldn't have been done. But anyway, I just want to caution people because it's my experience that to really, um, that thing about expectation, you know, they can respond any way they want to. It's not about that. It's about me cleaning my side of the street and to not have to say, I'm here to clear my side of the street really implies something that doesn't need to be implied. And I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Allison. Who would like to share on the second paragraph read? Kim. This is Bella. Can I share? Okay, Kim G and Bella. Diane B. Diane B. Lonnie B. Lonnie C. Paula D. And Paula D. Let's start with those. So it'll be Kim G, Bella G, Diane B. Ronnie C. and Paula D. Go ahead, Kim, please. Good morning, Kathy K. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Simply we tell them we will never get over drinking until we have done our utmost to straighten out the past. You know, I mentioned yesterday that, you know, I see these action steps as a series of prayers, actions, promises, and warnings. So here's a warning. We, you know, I personally see four warnings. In the, in the ninth step. We read one the other day in page 76. Remember, it was agreed at the beginning we would go to any lengths for victory over alcohol. Here we're told we will not get over our drinking until we've done our utmost to straighten out the past. On page 78, we say we must fear our fear of creditors no matter how far we have to go for we are liable to drink if we are afraid to face them. And then on page 79, reminding ourselves that we've decided to go to any lengths to find a spiritual experience. That's the warning, and here's a, here's a prayer. We ask that we be given strength and direction to do the right thing, no matter what the personal consequences may be. So that's some pretty strong warnings if we don't continue to finish our step nines. You know, doing 80% of our step nines, we've learned back in in, in and beginning of how it works, that we had to let go absolutely. We had to do this 100%. So me doing 80% of my amends is giving the mental twist that space to come in and I'm going to eat again. And I just wanted to to look at something. We often hear about living amends. And living amends is not a term that's used in the big book. And what am I being told in this morning? I have to do the utmost to straighten out the past. And what a living amend meant to me personally was, I don't have to straighten out the past. I just have to straighten out now. And that prayer we said, you know, no matter what the personal consciously may be, I have to straighten out my past. And what I did is I used the living amends as a loophole. I used it as a loophole to not have to make my amends and just say, well, I'll change now because of the personal consequences, because of how uncomfortable it would be. And I would look at step nine where it says injure them or others. And I had to be clear that I am not them and I am not others. So just think of that as you approach it. My personal opinion is every amend is a living amend in the sense that if I am making an amend to you for harms I've done in the past, I am telling you I will no longer do that in the present or the future. So I am now saying that I am going to correct my behavior and not repeat that behavior, which is the living amend. But just to finish, what is the warning? The warning here is we tell him we will never get over drinking until he's done our utmost to straighten out the past. And I think that shores up that loophole that we can just change today and not make an amends for what we've done in the past. 
And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. And Bella, please go ahead. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Bella G., and I am a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Katie, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. Under no condition do we criticize such a person or argue. Thank you, God. Such a freedom. I don't have, I don't have any more to judge people. I don't have to blame because I live in a different um, environment. Today I believe in different kind of beliefs. Yes, today I am connected to God and I know that I am accepted. I don't have to prove my existence anymore. Today I don't have to show my power. Today I don't have to be a people pleaser anymore. And therefore, I don't take responsibility for other people, for other people's behavior or thinking. Thank you, God, that I am not selfish anymore. Today, I don't want to believe that I have to force you to believe the way I believe and to act the way I act. You know, today I am responsible for my own self. Today, I believe in my connection to God, to a loving power. Today I want to be sure that I am doing the best I can. And it's okay whatever you think and you believe. Today I, I, I am coming with another kind of belief. Today we are all children of God. It's not I am better and you are not, or you are better and I have to prove that I am the same as you. Today we are all children of God, and today I am taking responsibility of my own self. And it's okay, you don't have to accept my, my way, you don't have to believe. So I don't have to prove anymore that I am better, that I am smarter. Today I don't want to argue and to criticize, because today I am taking care of myself, and today I... I, I am responsible, I am responsible for my, my decisions and my, my, my way of behaving. Thank you for letting me share and I pass. Thank you, Bella G. And Diane B., please go ahead. Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much, Katie Kay, for this opportunity. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. When I want to just focus on, we, under no condition do we criticize such a person or argue, and um, that we stick to our own uh, faults, not the other person. And when I did my ninth step amends, um, I guess about a year or so ago, um, at first I was I was kind of scared or nervous, but at the same time I knew that I had my higher power with me, and I had done the preliminary work of step eight and writing out my letters and getting very clear about my, what my part of it was. Then we, and it went really well. And we, um, you know, we talk about practicing these principles in all our affairs. And for me, uh, because I had this transformation, I was able to remember that I don't criticize people. I don't argue. And last autumn in October, one of my, the, I work in different schools, and one of the teachers that I work with was really upset with me and really angry, and she was yelling at me, and um, she wanted to call the family and take me off this case. 
And I just, you know, let her say everything she needed to say. And the first thing I said was, I'm really sorry. I wasn't aware that all this was going on for you. And I said, the last thing I want to do is be a threat in your classroom and went on with that. But I never criticized her. I never argued with her. I let her say her piece. And then I asked her to help me to know what it was that was bothering her so that I could change what I do. Um, And so fast forward to yesterday, I had a meeting at the um, school district level, which is way above her, and they commended me. And they were so grateful to me and so, so thankful for the work that I had done with this particular student. I got choked up. And I don't get choked up. I talk all the time. I have the gift of gab. And it was just so humbling. And I guess... What I'm thinking is that, you know, we make these changes. We don't know when we're going to see results or if we're going to see results. When I did my ninth step, I was able to see the results right away. But because I was, able, I was doing that ninth step and then I continued to do the work every day, living in the moment and living in the principles of this program, it came back to me. And because I learned um, how not to criticize another person, not to argue with the other person, you know, God gave me this gift of this really good work that I did. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So, um, you know, we talk about amends. We talk about making changes. We're not just apologizing. I had to make changes in my behaviors and in my thoughts and in turning everything over to my higher power. So thank you for the opportunity for letting me share. I pass. Thank you, Diane B. Uh, Ronnie C., please go ahead. Hi, this is Lonnie P. from Florida. Uh, can you hear me? Yes, sorry, Lonnie. Lonnie P. Hi. That's okay. Um, recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. I'm so grateful for the prep work that goes into making my amends um, and to review it with a big book guide to make sure that I'm not going into excuses or or trying to control the outcome and how it's going to be received by another person, you know. So as I went into my amends when I had done them, you know, I wrote out each and every one and reviewed it with my big book guide, you know, when there were times where, you know, I was asked to go back and look at it because it sounded like I was going into almost like making an excuse, like I said a moment ago. So, and the other big thing was asking, like others have mentioned this morning, how I can make restitution and humbly asking, is there anything else, you know, that I've done that I need to clean up? Um, so that was a new process for me this last time that I had done amends, and it was incredible. It was really incredible to to get myself to that place of it, it's not about, the other person at all this is about me and what I've done you know and I recently had a situation where I needed a humongous God pause to get to that place of forgiveness and that it's not about the other person and to to be at a place where I'm not finger pointing or judging or criticizing or or doing any of the things that has been done to me but it was only about you know, making sure I kept my side of the street clean so that I wouldn't have, let's say, another amends to end up making. So I'm just grateful that this program so clearly outlines what we are to do and that my amends, you know, like somebody I think had mentioned yesterday, this is basically me changing my behavior. 
you know, and, and, you know, several years back in program when I first did amend, I just said, I'm sorry, but I, I continued to go on doing the same things that I had done before, you know, whether it was being judgmental or self-speaking or whatever it was. So, so again, I'm, I'm just grateful that this big book teaches me how to, how to conduct myself in life and how to live a God-centered and spiritual life. And with that, I pass. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Lonnie P. And Paula D., please go ahead. Star 1 to unmute, Paula. Uh, thank you. Here I am. Thank you again, Katie. And thank you for your service. This would be Paula D. I am a compulsive reader, recovered by and with the grace of God. You know, as I come to, to these sentences and I'm listening here, and I'm just going to back up just for one moment. We go to him in a helpful and forgiving spirit, confessing our former ill feelings and expressing our regret. This is something that I didn't want to do because that is taking my pride, I who had thought so well of myself, and by the way, in so little of you. I who had such knowledge as Bill W. writes about, and you, well, you know, close second, maybe. But what comes forth here is humility. I had wrong place pride. But I, I will tell you, whatever's in the well will come up in the bucket. If that's how you're going to come up in here, so you ask God, what's in that well? Because it will come up. And if it's pride, and still thinking that you have one iota, no, under no condition. It's a very clear word. No. Say it to a two-year-old. Oh, my goodness, they'll pout and they'll shout and they'll cry. No. No condition. Do we criticize such a person or argue? Take another look at the water in the well. And then it goes goes on. And I'm going to turn the page here. Because that's what it's all about, you know. It is about turning. His faults are not disgust. Of course, that would be what I would want, but pride, humility, his fault to not discuss. We stick to our own. Honey, you better get super glue on this one, because oftentimes that's what it's needed. If our manner, and someone spoke of that, if our manner is calm, look at what happens here. Frank and open, we will be gratified with the results. Wait a minute. What if he doesn't agree? What if he's still angry? I've got no thing in that. What are the results you're gratified with? That your manner is calm, frank, and open? Yeah. That's a turning point. That's a change. That's pride in its place and humility in it. In its. Thank you for allowing me to share. With that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula D. And who else would like to share on this paragraph? Larry. This is Janet. Okay, Larry K. Leah. And Leah M. And, and Janice. I got you, Janice. I just forgot. Oh, thanks, Daddy. Last initial again, Janice? P. Oh, right. Thank you. Okay, so we have Larry K., Janice P., Leah M. Anyone else? Teresa H. Teresa H. Charles H. Charles H. Let's stop there. 
So we have Larry K., Janice P., Leia M., Teresa H., and Charles H. Go ahead, please, Larry K. Hi, Kathy. Uh, Larry K., recovered uh, a reader from Chicago, and thank you so much for your service. Um, you know, with, with step nine, um, you know, I'm, as with this, this entire process, we're, we're seeking to change. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm always reminded of what is the goal. The goal is not to put the food down. The food is already down. Um, you know, I didn't come to the rooms for a spiritual awakening. That is true. But I learned later that I had a spiritual malady. So we're in step nine in this process of change that somehow, and it's not about science, you know, and, and somehow God is going to bring me into alignment with his will um, by subjecting myself and immersing myself in these action steps. And here we are, you know, going out and, and, and cleaning up our past. And, but, you know, if you want to know if I'm changing, don't listen to my words. That, that's the, that, that is the weakest evidence of my change. Not that my words couldn't be indicative of some change. They could. But my words are the least powerful evidence to another as to whether I've changed. Follow me around. You know, um, what is my behavior? My actions will speak much louder than my words. How am I treating other people today? So when I'm making amends, the reason I mention that in the context of making amends, it's very important because I know that for me, and it, your, your, your situation may be different. When I went out and made amends the first time, um, nothing changed. It felt good to make amends in some cases. Other cases, it didn't feel so good. But, you know, the reality was I wasn't willing to change. And I did have to, just as I put the food down and was willing to go through a period of uncomfortability, I also could put my disdain for others down and go through a period of uncomfortability. I can also put my judgment of others down and go through a period of, of, of uncomfortability because I was always self-justified. I was always justified when you stepped on my toes. I determined that you stepped on my toes. I determined what you intended to do to me. I determined I was the judge and the jury and the, and the execution. And what, I, what I've learned uh, by the grace of God, because I did not do it for myself, is through this process I had to change my behavior because if I didn't change my behavior, then I would remain, two things would happen. The first thing is I'd remain uh, unblocked from my God with merely an awareness that there was perhaps some higher power that existed, but absolutely zero access to that higher power. And if I didn't get access to that higher power, I would drink again. I would eat again. And so that's why when I talk to people, uh, just like myself, you know, I'm, 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 no, <laughs> I'm nothing special here, folks. You know, uh, I did the same thing that, you know, the continued relapse, continued, you know, why am I not, why am I still feeling this horrible, horrible cravings for food? You know, why, I, I, it, it just is controlling me, Larry, what do I do? You know, it's, I remember, as I identify, I didn't change, I wasn't willing. Willingness is a one-person job. 
God didn't make me willing to, to, to get on this line today. God didn't make me willing to do anything, nor will you make me willing. It's not the right sponsor. It's about our willingness to change. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kate. And Janice P., please go ahead. This is Janice. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you so much for for all you do. And uh, good morning, Vision for You. My name is Janice P., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. You know, I have grown to love this process of Step 9, but to be very honest and truthful with you, I didn't like it so much in the beginning, you know, only because I had no experience with it. You know, I had no experience with it. Everything builds for me in this whole program, one step at a time, one one activity, one action at a time. And here we are in step nine. I'm so grateful. They are so clear about the directions of, of how they did this step, how their experience helped them in this whole process. And it, and it says, you know, we will never get over our drinking. So we straighten out our past, and and why are we there? You know, we're there to address our own stuff, and we stick to our own stuff, it says. You know, our faults, his faults are not discussed, and we come in a manner that's calm, frank, and open. And I don't know about you, but if you've ever had somebody in front of you in that kind of a state, calm, open-hearted, open-hearted, vulnerable, trying to do the right thing. It is very engaging. And nine times out of ten, it it will tell us that good things happen as a result of that. And when I went with that kind of an attitude, it's very vulnerable. It's very vulnerable to be in this place. But it's also very wonderful to be in this place. No matter what the other person's response is, when I come at it with that open-heartedness, because I know who I am and what I'm up against, and I know why I'm doing this. I'm on a life and death mission. I'm on a life and death mission. What are we here for? It says, coming up my side of the street. And the gift, it says, that what I'm going to receive is pretty miraculous, pretty wonderful. And I don't have to convince that other person of anything. I just have to show up, it says, in this calm, frank, and open state and and look at my own past, look at my own actions, admit them to this person, you know, ask, ask that they see me and that I be able to talk to them about this. And, and then what I'm given back is not up to me anymore. We're responsible for the effort, not the outcome. The outcome rests in the hands of my higher power. And I can tell you that a majority of my amends had outcomes I never would have imagined. You know, my fears were out there telling me what was going to happen. So I had to rely on my fellows and my sponsor to share their experience with me, to help give me the support and encouragement I needed so that I could work this process too. And when I did, it was so wonderful. And today, I, I continue to work this process. You know, steps four through nine are a wonderful part of what I do every day. 
to clean up the past so that I never get back to this place again where everything builds up. And and picking up has, is the best idea I've had in a long time. You know, so this helps clear away the wreckage of the past, and then it helps me to continue to keep that wreckage cleared away. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice P. And Leah M., please go ahead. Thanks so much, Kathy K. Good morning, everybody. It's Leah M., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. We will never get over drinking until we have done our utmost to straighten out the past. I mean, perhaps there's a few newcomers on the line this morning, and, you know, maybe uh, this discussion is a little, uh, breeds a little trepidation. But, you know, when I was going through the first stages, you know, of my recovery process in, in with Step 9, I mean, the question always and the question today, many years later, over two decades later, is you know, how free do I want to be? Because my number one priority then and my number one priority today is access to this power. And, you know, self-will run riot blocks that power out. So, you know, we're not ashamed while doing the ninth step. This is not an exercise in beating oneself up. I'm you know, making amends, and once I got into the groove of it, you know, in a spiritual sense, it was a very dignified process. I remember one of my first amends, which was a financial amends. I had I had the habit of uh, stealing food from my local grocery store. At that time, I was living in uh, Bethesda, Maryland, and so that was one of my first amends, was approaching this manager, knocking on the manager's door, you know, with an, a check, and, uh, you know, I went through this whole thing, you know, I'm here to clean up uh, my past. I I had a habit of uh, stealing from your bulk food department, et cetera, and I would like to uh, make restitution for that. And, you know, he listened all the way through, and then he said to me, <laughs> step nines aren't always easy, are they? And, you know, that was like... You know, just God, uh, you know, like an anonymous smile or something, you know, because why do I need to go through that kind of stuff? Well, it's difficult to live one day at a time in the here and now, right here, and drag my actions of the 80s with me. It's hard to live happy, joyous, and free when walking down the street, I'm hoping I don't bump into the manager of that local store or a previous boss or an old boyfriend. Because the wreckage of my past exists in my head. And since it exists in my head, there's a threat to my serenity. So this process really allows uh, the freedom where I'm starting to take responsibility, grow up. It's a process of maturation. I'm taking responsibility for my actions. God, you know, God's will will overcome the fear and the apprehension that sometimes bubbles up. And I'm able to rebuild any self-esteem that perhaps uh, <laughs> might be, you know, brewing within and achieve peaceful relations with myself, with others, and live in harmony. And when I live in harmony, um, you know, I'm in serenity. And, you know, what a wonderful process it is. What a wonderful process it is. It continues to be so. It's a language. Even my children now make amends within the house. It's it's beautiful. It is really beautiful, <laughs> highly suggested. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Um, and Teresa H., please go ahead. 
Thank you. Hi, everybody. I'm Teresa, and I'm a compulsive overeater from New York. Wow. This is, uh, you know, when I started in recovery, four through five, four and five, eight through nine wasn't going to happen, but I had to do this for my sobriety, my recovery, my abstinence. And um, I guess part of it, too, is that I needed to do this with my sponsor. Otherwise, I would be going around just shooting myself in the foot. You know, and I was told specifically what I should say, you know, instead of just coming out with it with my own, uh, you know, with my own willingness or my own voice. And with some people, namely my husband, I have to make living, uh, you know, living amends with him. You know, it is about being prudent. It is about, you know, doing what I need to do, but doing in a way where I'm not going to harm the other person. And um, it's something I have to do. I don't want to do it at times, or I didn't want to do it at times, but that's what I need to do for myself. Thank you. That's it for me. Thank you, Teresa H. And Charles H., you'll be our last share on paragraph. Well, good morning, Kathy K. Thank you. Um, my name. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Hi, my name is Charles H., a recovered visionary just for today, and I'd like to thank um, everybody for their comments and all the silent uh, people as well. So, you know, there's miracles in doing stuff like this, Um, uh, making these amends, whether it's indirect, whether it's direct. um, You know, uh, the flesh flesh lessens and and the spirit gains weight. Um, You know, it's so amazing. Um, to continue to do the amends every single day and to take two men uh, through this process. Yeah, they had fear. I I told them I identify with it. They made some scary amends, right? They made some scary amends, and we talk about it. And, you know, before we we talk every day, right, and I talk to both of them, and, you know, I asked them a few questions on page 83. I said, "Are are you painstaking? About your development? They said, yep. Are you amazed before you even halfway through? They said, yep. I said, do you know a new freedom and a new happiness? They said, yep. I said, do you regret the past or wish to shut the door on it? They said, no, they don't regret the past. I said, do you know peace and serenity? They said, yep. And so on and so forth. Um, You know, all them promises came through, and they still got more. And and I and 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 I strong, I suggested to them. I said, you know what? It's a lifetime process. You you always gonna have more. I got more. And when I pray and meditate and live in ten, eleven, and twelve and one, because if I get a bright idea, it's over. I will not be able to get over. This. I will never be able to do it. Right? To put on the whole armor of spirituality on a daily basis. I ain't come here to gain nothing. I know that's not good English, but I need to, I need to kick it raw like the big book, kick it raw. I ain't come here to gain nothing. I came here to lose, lose some weight, right? And, and, and I'm grateful to the fact that I was able to level, 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 level myself, like I said yesterday, I'm grateful to, of a computer, you know, 
minimize myself and maximize everybody else. So that this way, you know, I can look at them and be like, you know what, I, I'm grateful to have an I'm grateful to have an opportunity today to gain some spirituality. To gain some spirituality because I've done I've done people in the world wrong. Right? I've done people in the world wrong and I constantly want to look at them because, you know, it, 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 it's crazy. Ahead of time, I know, right, just one day at a time, I know that doing the right thing just feels good today, no matter what is going on in my life. And to take two men through this process, it, it's just, man, it, it feels heaven on earth. And with that, I'm going to pass. Thanks for allowing me to share. Thank you, Charles H. And now we're going to move on. Angela D., would you read the next paragraph, please? Can you hear me? I can. Thank you. Okay. Um, uh, I'm Angela D., a very recovered compulsive overeater and very grateful. In nine cases out of ten, the unexpected happens. Sometimes the man we are calling upon admits his own fault. So feuds of years standing melt away in an hour. Rarely do we fail to make satisfactory progress. Our former enemies sometimes praise what we are doing and wish us well. Occasionally, they will offer assistance. It should not matter, however, if someone does throw us out of the office. We have made our demonstration, done our part, it's water over the dam. Oh, this is exactly what happened to me when I started my amends. I never knew what an amends was until I got into this program. I never knew I had to go up to somebody and make an amends. I just thought if you said you were sorry, you were sorry. No. Making an amends, thank God for the grace of God and my sponsor, taught me how to truly forgive in my heart, mind, and soul. This is what happened to me, though. Some, sometimes the man we are calling upon admits his own fault. That happened to me, and I, I think I lost count of the people I had to make amends to. It's amazing that people were saying to me, boy, this sounds good. You, you look better. You sound better. Yeah, it's God. It's God and other recovered people that shared with me and this magnificent big book that's God's love story. Our former enemies sometimes praised what we are doing, wished us well. That happened to me. I was floored. I couldn't believe it. Occasionally, they will offer assistance. That happened to me. So this is this paragraph alone, I look at it. And I'm going, thank you, God. It's not that bad because I'm going to have to make amends for the rest of my life. And even if it doesn't, even if I get thrown out of the office, at least I did my part. But at least I know how to get freedom by making an amends and how important it is for my, for my life and certainly for my addiction. With that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Angela D. And we have time for about three shares. Who would like to share? Melissa C. Okay, I heard Chelsea, uh, Melissa C., and who else? Penny C. Penny C. Okay, let's go with those three and see how we do. Chelsea, go ahead, please. 
Thank you, and thanks for your service, Kathy. I'm Chelsea H. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater for today. And I want to share on um, the fact of these amends and how in um, my interpretation of the material, there are living amends, and there are actually direct amends, too. I think that for me, the method of making the amends by living, which is what I mean by a living amends, is that I live in the right way and I meet my obligations, my responsibilities, and that I no longer try to manage everybody else's life. But more importantly, the book says to me on page 77, which we've read, um, that paragraph up at the top, the last sentence of it says, he is going to be more interested in a demonstration of goodwill than in our talk of spiritual discoveries. The demonstration is me living. So perhaps maybe there isn't anything in the book that says living amends, but there's also nothing in the book that says sponsor, and we use that term readily. So for me, the information of living amends means that I make amends by living the right way, by living others-centered, and that when I go out to do this work at this point in the work, I'm still actually moving on with 10, 11, and 12 as I go through finishing up these amends. And I did do a living amends. I did an amends by living the right way, taking care of a parent who was dying, and giving them comfort, ease, and so grateful I was present, sane, sober, and living in the sunlight of the Spirit. So I was able to be useful. I was able to make the amends for the things that had been done wrong by living the right way. So I just sometimes get, um, you know, a little um, concerned myself when I hear these absolutes. And there are different ways to interpret the material without watering it down. So, again, for me on 77, it says to me that there is such a thing as living an amends by living because I will have to make a demonstration rather than running around just saying I was wrong. Sometimes that's not going to cut it either. Um, thanks for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Chelsea H. Melissa C., please go ahead. Hi, good morning. This is Melissa C., a recovered compulsive overeater from New York, and um you know, as for me, the the restitution that I made is, is my living amends. Um, you know, the, the greatest amends that I really had to make was to my family and, um, you know, largely to my husband um, and my children. And, um, you know, when I did make my amends to my husband, um, I was terrified because I didn't, I wanted him to respond a certain way, and I was scared that he wasn't going to. And I didn't, I didn't know that I would want to hear what it is that he had to say. But that's really, you know, where I um, got honest with God and with myself that I wasn't God here, and I'm not the higher power, and I cannot write the script for my husband or anyone else to follow. And you know, the beautiful thing when I made my amends to my husband, I, I. I had to apologize for um, cutting him out in a way. You know, I I chose food and grief over intimacy, and um, and I had spent years in a lot of pain, and um, and I pushed him away, and um, and in some ways, um, 
in some ways neglected, you know, caring for my children um, because I was so wrapped up in me. And um, and I had to apologize for, you know, the habit I wrecked on my body because it impacted our relationship, our intimacy, and my ability to co-parent. And, um, you know, and... <laughs> When I when I made amends to him, um, he received me with so much love that our relationship has just completely transformed. Along with with my transformation, our family has transformed. And but but my amends now are living amends because I you know I apologize to him, to him for all the temper tantrums I threw. And but that means I can't continue to do that in the morning. You know, I can't start off. I used to say I'm sorry all the time, and it was I'm sorry, but you know, followed by what he wasn't doing. <laughs> um, and now my amends are so different. I, you know, I'm not having temper tantrums, and that's a wonderful gift that I can give to my family. And um, with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Melissa C. and Penny C. Please go ahead. Thank you, Kathy. This is Penny C., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in the Boston area. Um, I just wanted to make the the point again about how fortunate we are today to have sponsors and and guides that we we, we can talk to about these amends and and even in some cases role play just so we are clear about what it is we're making amends about and to be careful to just be, make, you know, cleaning our own um, debris, not, not talking about the other person's uh, faults or criticizing at all. You know, um, Scott, in his special edition, I believe about two weeks ago, uh, made the point that this book was really written as a self-help book that in those days, in 1939, other than uh, around the Akron, Ohio area in New York City, there were, there were very few people who were, were recovered, who um, could help another um, person go through these steps. And and so the book was written and mailed out all over the country, and people recovered using using the book. Communication was not as easy as it is today, and so what the point is that aren't we fortunate that we now have sponsors, guides, and a network of people that we can talk to? And I I think it's ever so important because. I was about to make a big mistake, you know, when I got to this step um, in a group early on. Oh, I was so excited and I was ready to spill my heart and, and my soul out to everybody I met. And someone pointed out to me, thank goodness, my sponsor pointed out to me that at that particular time, I would be doing myself and my family more harm than good in doing that. And I just want to add one more um, little uh, statement. The best comment, the best advice my sponsor ever gave me in doing this step was, Penny, remember to take God with you. Remember to take God with you. 
And if I do and I'm conscious that my higher power is sitting right next to me, you know, I almost can't go wrong. So I can't go wrong, period, I should say. So thank you, and I'll pass with that. Thank you, Penny C. Okay. Um, It is now time to close the meeting. Um, Thank you, everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Pretty R, would you please read a vision for you? The our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning, Kathy. Do you hear me? Yes, I can. Okay, thank you. Thank you so much for your service. My name is Hoodie R, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Israel. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then, pass.